You're listening to This Naked Mind with Annie Grace. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to This Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Steve. Welcome. Hi. Hey, Annie. Thanks. Oh, I'm so glad that we're doing this. So why don't you sort of take me back to the beginning in your relationship with alcohol? Where did it all start for you? Okay, so... In order to tell my story with alcohol and to give the best context, I got to talk about my dad because before this naked mind made its impact on me, my life was heading in the exact same direction as his. Mm -hmm. So as a kid growing up about an hour west of Toronto in Ontario, Canada, I'd see my dad drink beer every night. He'd come home from work after a long day of work uh, where he drove a truck and delivered beer to stores and bars for most of his adult, adult working life. And shortly after getting home from work, he'd get straight to making dinner for the family. All the mm -hmm. while, a cold bottle of beer, never far from reach. So I'm guessing that each evening uh, he would drink three or four bottles of beer. But honestly, it's hard to recall with any certainty because I didn't see his drinking as bad at the time. So it never crossed my mind to even notice. Kind of like some, seeing someone drink a glass of water. You wouldn't wonder how many glasses of water they had drank before the one you saw them drinking. Mm -hmm. So. I say that just to express that seeing my dad drinking beer every time or every day, it was just my normal. I didn't know that as any other kid's normal. <laughs> so I suppose, thankfully, uh, dad wasn't a mean drinker, uh, but he did make some interesting meals for sure under the influence. Uh, one of the more memorable ones was this chili that he made that was way too spicy. So as all good cooks do, dad taste tasted the chili, only to realize it was way too spicy with too many hot peppers. So with quick but inebriated thinking, he thought, hmm, what's the opposite of spicy? Well, it's sweet. So I'll just add some maple syrup to fix this. So mm -hmm. into the chili went some amount of maple syrup. And what resulted was this chili that at first bite was sickly sweet. And then was quickly followed by a blazing heat that had us running for a glass of milk. <laughs> so needless to say, I'm pretty sure we ate pizza that night. And my dad choked down that chili for the rest of uh, the week for lunches. Oh, so, but my dad didn't mess up everything. He was a hard worker and he's always been a great guy with a solid heart. He wouldn't think twice to lend a hand to any person that needed it or even a cat. Um, once while driving on the outside of town on our way to a camping trip with the family, we passed a house that was on fire and the fire department clearly wasn't there yet. So my dad stopped the car, ran into the house to look for people. And thankfully nobody was in the house, but he did manage to save a cat that was trapped in there. So in his hunt camps, uh, he was always the grocery procurer and the chef, and he was more than happy making a feast for everybody. My friends even knew my dad in a similar light, as anyone that slept over on any given weekend would be treated to a large breakfast of bacon and eggs and pancakes. Um, with family and friends, he'd be the first to offer help someone move, lend a hand with a renovation, or assist them in any way he could. Uh, there were countless times of him taking me to and from hockey, years of coaching my soccer teams, and he would never hesitate to drop off or pick up two, me or my two older brothers from wherever we happened to be. And many weekend mornings, him and I would play cards even at the kitchen table. I remember those mornings pretty fondly. However, what I also remember frequently during those years growing up was my mom and dad arguing like a lot, um, almost nightly from what I remember. Uh, but in retrospect, I'm pretty sure those arguments were because by the time my mom got home from work, an hour or two after my dad, he would be drunk. Mm -hmm. So 
then not long after dinner, uh, dad would fall asleep on the couch watching TV only to wake up a couple hours later and then head up to bed. And that was the cycle he was in for a lot of years. So I don't really blame my dad for his ways, really, because I truly believe he was a product of his parents, which were both heavy drinkers. They had showed him their way, which was be a good person, go to work on time and put in your full day. But when you're done work, go home and drink. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, just as he was doing what his parents had shown me, he was inadvertently teaching me to drink all those years and showing me that exact same path. Yeah. Um, when I was 12 years old is when my parents uh, started going out for date nights and the odd weekend away, which meant leaving my two older brothers in charge of the house. And you can imagine where that goes. Uh, that sig signaled one thing, party at our house. So my older brother's friends would come over. Um, music would get cranked up. People would be smoking cigarettes and weed. And the booze would be flowing freely. And what I witnessed during those parties, at least from a 12-year-old kid's eyes, was every single person having a blast. Uh, neither, nothing ever got too out of hand from what I remember. And if I ever drank at anything at those parties, it was probably just stealing like the odd sip of beer to make someone laugh. But the first time I did get drunk, um, I was 13 years old. I'd gone over to a friend's house during school lunch break. And for some reason, I still don't know why, we each drank a couple of those uh, mini bottles of vodka, the ones with like two ounces in each. Mm -hmm. Well, as you can imagine, we both got super drunk and then we puked it all up a short time later. Thankfully, since we had obviously poisoned ourselves and we were just being saved by our bodies. Yeah. So that first experience getting drunk didn't trigger a tailspin of a kid wanting to get drunk all the time. Not even a little bit. I just continued to be an average kid, hanging out with friends, playing sports and playing video games in my spare time. Uh, then later on in high school, parties on weekends started involving alcohol, which seemed perfectly normal since that's what I'd seen my older brothers do. Uh, me and my friends would wait outside the liquor store until we saw the right looking person, approach him with our money and ask him to buy us beer. Um, most of the time, the answer was no, but we were persistent, and eventually we'd find someone willing to do it. Uh, after we got those beers, we'd stuff the bottles into a backpack and head to a house party, or more often, uh, for us anyways, standing in a forest to drink them. And if on those par those nights, someone happened to puke from drinking too much, that was pretty much expected, and everyone just cheered. Um, <laughs> after high school, I moved uh, five hours away uh, to attend college. I stayed in a student residence where there was plenty of binge drinking on party nights, which was typically a Friday and a Saturday, and then sometimes also on in like a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, and the biggest difference I found with those college parties over the high school ones was they just went later and more booze was consumed, usually with the help of drinking games and then heading off to the bar. But uh, then the next day was spent laying around feeling like a complete bag of crap and talking with my roommates about all the stupid stuff we had done while we were wasted, essentially pinning those imaginary ba uh, badges of honor for the dumbest of things or whoever felt the worst that morning. All in all, a uh, pretty twisted sense of accomplishment, I think you can agree. Yeah. Um, but honestly, with all those past experiences, I would only ever remember the good side of them, like laughing with friends and having these deep conversations and not the darker side of them, like not even remembering the details of those conversations, getting sick or contemplating the damage I could have been doing to my body. Um, and I don't know if that was the whole rose colored glasses thing or just plain ignorance, but unbeknownst to me, 
I was laying the groundwork for that cognitive dissonance by creating those competing arguments in my head. Now, getting back to my dad for just a minute, I didn't even know or realize his drinking was any kind of problem my entire life uh, until when I was away in college, I got word that he checked into rehab. Apparently, his drinking had really increased the year I was away, and I heard a few stories about how bad it got, which peaked with him falling down the stairs one drunken night. And I don't know this for sure, but uh, I think rehab may have even been an ultimatum to save my mom and dad's marriage. So while in rehab, dad joined AA, and when he returned home, he continued to attend meetings regularly and even sponsored several people over the years. He's now over 20 years since touching a drink. And while that's great, and I'm super proud of him, uh, there's still a point that really bothers me about AA. And that is like, that is that AA told my dad that he was the one with the problem. Mm. So my dad, this man that I grew up learning from and looking up to my entire life, he was the one that was powerless and he was flawed. AA had indoctrinated my dad to the mindset of, I am weak to the powers of alcohol. I'm different from other people and I'm one of the ones that got addicted and I have failed because I got addicted to alcohol. Mm-hmm. So with those thoughts in his head, he didn't think twice to safeguard his children or anyone else from the dangers of alcohol or to teach us that alcohol is a dangerous, addictive drug that ought to be respected. Instead, whenever we visited the house, even after him being in rehab, the first offer was of a drink. And though it was never verbalized, the message was loud and it was clear. Alcohol isn't a problem. It's just dad that has a problem. And I know that that only helped allow me to carry on consuming alcohol for years without any regard to a possible danger. So I did graduate from that one-year college program I took. However, I decided it wasn't a career I wanted to pursue any further. I was 19 at the time and needed to pay off my college debts. So I moved back in with my parents and got a job. I ended up uh, finding work in a factory, which I essentially hated and just lived for the weekends. I settled into that pattern of work all week and then get together with friends and drink. That less than glorious pattern uh, continued for a little little over a year until one night after work, I was cruising the internet and had this message pop up from somebody. I don't know if you remember ICQ. Uh, It was one of those, one of the very first internet message platforms from the late 90s, early 2000s. It had that message like, when you got a message. Uh, anyways, um, so the message was from someone asking if I was the same Steve that was in Mr. Huffle's grade eight class. Well, I was. And that someone asking was a woman that was in the same grade eight class years earlier, and she'd eventually become my wife. Um, her and I chatted online for a little while longer that night, and then she invited me to come visit her at university, which uh, she was attending like 20 minutes away. We planned a night together, and I met her up with her at a pub. Um, we took in an open mic night, chatted uh, with each other about what we'd done the past five years, had a bunch of laughs, and really just had a great time. Um, needless to say, that great time has continued now for the last 23 years. That's and throughout awesome. those 23 years, we achieved a lot together. Um, while she worked on her undergraduate degree, I continued to work in factories while being miserable and hating my work life. Um But that would soon change as she she convinced me to go back to school to get into a career that I actually enjoyed. Um, So the summer after she completed her undergraduate degree and before I went back to college for a three-year program in construction engineering, we got married um, 
we got married with our friends or by our friends and family. So this second time around in college, I really focused on my education instead of partying. And it paid off with me graduating at the top of the program and winning multiple awards along the way. Now, I don't say that to gloat by any means, but I just want to highlight the fact that when I was previously in college and partying, I passed my classes with grades that were like just scraping by. But when I focused on school instead of booze, I was able to achieve so much more. After graduating, I was offered jobs from three different employers, uh, an architect, an engineer, and a general contractor. I chose the position with a general contractor, and since then, I've enjoyed a career that I love, and I've even become one of the owners of the company. My wife and I bought, fixed up, and sold a couple houses over the years until we got into a beautiful home. We had two amazing boys along the way, and we were living the textbook perfect life. Uh, it was literally um, a life I had never even dreamed possible. But um, for the majority of those 20-something years, I was what most people consider that quote-unquote regular drinker, um, which is a term I kind of despise now. But uh, I'm talking about the person meeting up with friends at a pub for a pint or two, going out for dinner and drinking wine, having people over at the house and for a few drinks and watching sports, and occasionally getting together with my old high school buddies and having a bunch of drinks. But all in all, fairly tame by most standards and only the odd time here and there having too many and causing the next day to be a complete write-off due to a hangover. And though I never drank in the morning or was hiding bottles of booze around the house, the amount I was drinking seemed to be increasing almost without me noticing as the years rolled on, which I now see as the obvious outcome of someone consuming an addictive drug. It truly is a slippery slope. No, I didn't always come home from work and have two or three drinks. In fact, for a long time, I didn't drink through the week at all. And I would only have a few on the weekends with other people socially. But then I started having one here and there during the week. Then at some point, it became one most every night. Then it was one every night. Then it was two every night. Eventually, I got to the point where I would drink every single day. And although I was never chugging drinks, they certainly weren't being drank just for the taste. I would rarely ever be visibly drunk, but I was 100% drinking for effect. And after every drink, I wanted another one. The only reason I wouldn't have another was because I'd use willpower to abstain. Quite honestly, what had now happened well into my own parenthood with my own impressionable kids watching and learning from me is I had fallen in the exact same pattern that my dad had taught me. Go to work, work hard, then come home and start drinking. Meanwhile, living in a partial haze, being short with my wife and kids and being argumentative. I was even at the point where I would lament my kids' sports if they interfered with my nightly drinking routine. Mm -hmm. I was in fact keeping that vicious cycle going by now showing my kids how a husband and a father is supposed to behave. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a lot of regrets, but that's definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. So that whole slide down the slippery slope was a pretty slow one until one day in January, 2022, um, it was out of nowhere, but one of my friends randomly posted an article in our messenger group chat about how alcohol is a top cause of preventable cancer, cancers and should have warning labels. Um, but then, of course, he added the comment below the article of not going to stop me from drinking, but might help me cut back a little, LOL. <laughs> I read that article and it got me thinking and reflecting about myself, especially because my dad had gone through a couple of bouts with cancer. Looking back on it, though, I believe that was the moment the seed was planted to question my own drinking. It sounds stupid to say this now, 
but I honestly never associated anything bad with what is considered that quote unquote moderate drinking, which I suppose isn't too shocking since alcohol is prevalent in our society and every drinker has seen those ridiculous claims on the internet about how moderate drinking is actually healthier than not drinking. But thankfully, now the latest studies have refuted that one to two drinks a day for men is okay. And they're finally admitting that there's no known amount to be safe. Mm-hmm. But I digress. After I read that article, my buddy sent us a seed was planted. And it really got me thinking and wanted to do, uh, find out more about the product that I was consuming so regularly at ever increasing quantities. After a quick Google search, I came across Alcohol Explained by William Porter, um, which you have to admit that title's a great hook, especially for someone like me that was just looking for an explanation on alcohol. So anyways, I downloaded it, listened to it um, on my way to and from work. Um, and William's book was great and has plenty of valuable information, but on some level, it was hard for me to relate to because his addiction was alcohol was the type where he drank through, or he wouldn't drink through the week, but he'd start drinking Friday and then drink all the way to uh, Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds foolish to admit that that's what I focused on, but for some reason, that's what I had. And it was the typical response drinkers have, of, oh, well, I'm not that bad. So it doesn't apply to me. Yeah. Um, that said, his book is excellent and I'm glad I found it, but especially because after I finished it, it led me to another book as a suggestion of what to check out next. And that second book I listened to was yours, Annie, um, mm. This Naked Mind. I first read uh, some of the many positive reviews and thought, hmm, this sounds pretty interesting. Um, and I think one of the things that really caught me, like looking back on it now and made me download it, was that subtitle of Control Alcohol. Because as mm. you can imagine, I was like so many drinkers out there that I had zero intentions of quitting alcohol. I just wanted to control it. But what ended, up ha- what ended up happening was the closest thing to magic that I've ever experienced. Um, your book has quite honestly been a life changer for me. And even though that may sound like an exaggeration, I promise you that if anything, it's an understatement. Mm-hmm. So what This Naked Mind did for me, it opened my eyes to the lies that I, alcohol had ingra- ingrained in me. So I thought I needed alcohol to be sociable. I thought it made me happier. I thought it enhanced situations and I thought I liked the way it made me feel. But once I was able to back up and look at those beliefs subjectively, I found out that they just were not true. Additionally, I believe it also helped that your experience was something that I could totally relate to since you were a successful business person, even before you quit drinking, which I believe you were up to like two bottles of wine a night. So while I might not have been there just yet, I was literally on the exact same path and just a few steps behind. So I also want to add that one of the things that really made this naked mind such an impact for me was listening to you narrate it and hearing the passion in your voice. Um, I'm not an emotional guy, Annie, uh, but there are a couple of times I had tears well up in my eyes because something would really strike me or I'd be listening and then out loud in my truck, I'd be like, yes, exactly. But your passion was evident and it comes from, and that's only comes from someone that's walked this path. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you didn't opt for a voice actor, even though I'm sure narrating a book is pretty much torture. <laughs> so <laughs> after I finished this naked mind, that information swirled in my head. The new knowledge had taken off all the shine I'd previously given alcohol. Um, I was now looking at that glass of beer in a totally different way. 
what was once a warm embrace was now a dagger in the back. I knew my days of willingly consuming ethanol were numbered, and I was ready to fight. I was ready for the fight to drop the alcohol monster. However, the fight would have to wait and begin the day after one of my best friend's wedding. That's uh, was quickly approaching a few days after I finished your book. The timing wasn't planned at all, obviously, but I literally finished this naked mind on the drive to the rehearsal dinner. So for the wedding, I'd been asked to MC it. And I took the part seriously, especially because I didn't want to make an ass out of myself. And I've never been an MC before. So I wrote out all my parts uh, and practiced them meticulously and standing in my laundry room. Um, the big day came and after the ceremony, everybody headed to the reception where the booze started flowing, as you can imagine, but not into me. <laughs> Even though several people asked me, where's my beer? Do I need a beer? I proudly responded, nope, not drinking until I do my duty and knock this thing out of the park. Cranberry and soda for this guy. So, which of course was met with the responses of like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Good call. So I can proudly say that it was a home run and everyone came up to me afterwards and told me I did a great job. It was a huge sense of accomplishment and one I'm really proud of. Um, but what then followed my MC obligation was joining everyone else and drinking too much. I think we closed the hall at like 1 a.m. and then we went back to the hotel and drank with the wedding party till like 4.30 in the morning. Ungodly hours that you never see when you're not drinking, but... Um, but I woke up four hours later and felt the same physically as most mornings after a night of drinking hard, which is complete trash with a wicked hangover. But what was different this time was embracing that feeling because I knew I would never go through another hangover again. So here I am. That's almost a year since that wedding. Uh, and now I drink as much as I want whenever I want to. Uh, but the truly amazing thing is I haven't wanted an alcoholic drink since then. And honestly, I know I'll never drink one again. I now see alcohol as something like a magic trick that I was shown how it was done. And I can't go back to the way it was shown before it. There's no illusion or mystery anymore. There's no longer any desire to crave something that I provi know provides zero benefits to me. And that's really how my life as a drinker ended. Um, kind of un unclimatic, I guess, but... There wasn't any kind of rock bottom before my last drink. I've heard that notion in the past that people need that rock bottom before they quit for good. Um, I think that sentiment stems from the AA world, but either way, I couldn't disagree any more strongly. Uh, I really think, I think that thought of you have to hit rock bottom before you get clean is just dangerous as hell. All it does is lead people to thinking that they can always get worse. Meanwhile, like what's rock bottom? Death? or maybe killing somebody while you're driving impaired, why would anyone want that on their conscience? Like, there are a ton of reasons you shouldn't drink alcohol when you look at it subjectively, and there are literally zero reasons that you should. And now that I'm over halfway through my 41st year of living, um, I can look back and see that while alcohol was such a huge part of it, I now realize that it stole a lot of credit for the good times I've had with family and friends. Um, it seems at every occasion and every event, whether they were happy or sad, alcohol seemed to be involved in all of them. But now I see that alcohol took so much more than it gave. It was slowly changing me into living in a fog, getting to the point where I had organized my life around drinking and it had become my true priority, which makes me sick to say, but it's true. 
Um, I was just looking forward to drinking all the time and it was taking me away from living in the present and truly enjoying what life has to offer. When the truth is, it's spending time with all the awesome people we're closest to that makes things so good. So I no longer see alcohol as the key to a good time, but rather for what it really is, a dangerous addictive drug that leaves a trail of regret, shame and guilt, and eventually would have ruined everything I care about. And finally, I'm going to sneak this in, Annie, because I know you hate getting praised, but um, I have to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, with this knowledge you shared in this naked mind and the passion you delivered it with, I can, without a shadow of a doubt, say that you saved not only my life, but you changed the course of my wife and kids' lives. Uh, and seriously, the best part is that our lives are just so infinitely better now that I can hardly believe that I had the wool pulled over my eyes for so many years. So yeah, that's, that's my story so far. Oh, wow. I love that. Oh, thanks for sharing it. I love how you said, yeah, um, thank you. How alcohol stole a lot of credit for the good times. I think that's a really, a really good way to articulate that fact. <laughs> it, it, it feels so true though, right? You look back and you look at everything and say, I guess actually now it's almost like something you have to do in retrospect because now that I've done um, alcohol-free vacations, um, family time, like literally every event that I can think of that I've done is as good or way better than it was with alcohol. So now it's like, I know I remember thinking before, like, oh, that was so great getting together with my buddies and we had all these drinks and like, wait a second, was it that good? Be I guess it wasn't because of drinks. Like we're literally sitting around drinking poison. How does that make things better? Like it, it just doesn't. It's all that's. I'm just finding out now that those are all. They were all lies. So. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, <laughs> um, and how has you know when you're saying sitting around with your buddies, like how has it been socially? Have has anybody else kind of changed, or are you like? The lone wolf or what's <laughs> um actually so it's pretty funny my wife is on this she's doing this with me too she hadn't so i'll get to my buddies in a second here but um i was telling her actually i think i told her on the drive home from the wedding like she didn't know anything about this before that but i was like hey just so you know i'm i'm not drinking anymore and she's like what are you talking about like I was, I was the guy who drank. I had single malt scotches. I had always had craft beer and all this stuff, I, which I realize now is just whatever. It's just a fancy way of drinking poison. But um, she was like, oh my God, I've wanted to not drink for so long. And every time I mention it to you, you've always been like, ah, why bother? Blah, blah, blah. You don't drink. Or I would say to her like, oh, you don't drink that much. And so she always felt, okay, well, maybe I, sh maybe I shouldn't. Like she had the doubts in her mind but I was like talking her off of it so I was not exactly supportive that way um but actually what I did with my buddies was like I said I think I might have like the thing like that your dad had I can't remember what it was called but like spontaneous sobriety or whatever I'm very like I make a decision and that's that's the way it is mm -hmm. so like I knew a day one that I was I'm just done Cause I, and then I had changed my mind on it. Right. So I'm like, well, why would I, why would I drink anything? So I ended up writing, clearly I like writing, but um, 
I find it a really cathartic price pro process to write things down. So I actually penned a letter to my buddies and sent it to that same group chat. And it was uh, a much more abbreviated version than this and a bunch of things not talked about, but the, everybody was crazy supportive. They're all like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, and then of course there's like the kind of backing off comments of like, Hey, uh, so we're, we can still drink. Right. And I'm like, yeah, I wish you wouldn't. Cause like, you're You're just doing a terrible thing, but you know, whatever. Yeah. If you want to do it, that's fine. And so I'd get together with buddies, um, and I'd stand around with them and sip, uh, non-alcoholic beers. Cause I'm one of the few people that I guess like the taste of beer. Uh, but <laughs> so I, I would have my non-alcoholic beers. They would have their alcoholic beers and, you know, and then when it actually get to the point where it's later in the night and I'm tired, I'm like, yeah, I'm out of here guys. Uh, like I don't have any reason to stay up till two in the morning to drink more. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they, every, everybody's taking it awesome. And <laughs> I did actually, I posted on my Facebook thing. Um, I made a short video kind of talking about how like Annie Grace's my our book is like mind blowing. You should check it out type thing. <laughs> and a lot of people were like really supportive of that. And I've, I know of like three or four people now that don't drink alcohol because they that like made them go and read the snake in mind and they were blown away as I were as I was and I guess still am. Um, and yeah, so I guess I was able to pay it forward to a couple people, which was pretty awesome. Oh, that's so cool. I love that. I was actually on a um someone was interviewing me on their podcast yesterday and they were saying like, isn't it weird that your book has sold so well when it's on a topic that people like not only don't talk about, but have shame about. And by the way, that our whole society, like the second word in AA is anonymous. Like we're yeah. not supposed to talk about. No um, kidding. Used to be able to get in trouble. I think you still probably can, but I think they've loosened that up a bit. But um, and I was like, yeah, I think it's because I'm not looking at it as some like sad punishment. I'm looking at it as like, no, y'all are, y'all are idiots. Yeah, for real. Way better That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. Like I find like sometimes, like, um, like I said, at the end of um, kind of my story there, just saying that I can hardly believe it sometimes. Like I literally just turn to my wife sometimes and we're like doing something and we're like, how the hell did we not know this for so long? Like I feel dumb almost for like, just carrying the line like oh this is what we do as society we drink and yeah. i don't know it's it, it's it's still mind-blowing and yeah like to say i don't miss it is like the biggest understatement like yeah. people are like ever ask me do i miss it i'm like what the hell is there to miss it's like you don't you don't clearly know what you're even doing like like i think about drinking alcohol the same amount of time or the same amount of time it takes up the same amount of headspace as a, as me contemplating doing heroin. Like it's like just literally not even on, I just have no, no reason I would ever do it. It's crazy. But, and I, I just find it really wild sometimes because I still get together with people that drink and I'll have my drinks. And I'm just like, man, if you ever tried, like just looking at it, changing your perspective on things, like you wouldn't be doing this. It's like, clearly nobody would. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I saw this TikTok that I thought was just hilarious. And it was like a pretend alien who, yeah. who came, and it was, you know, how they do the videos and it's the same person, but the person like pretends to be two different people. I'm like, yeah. I need to make 
TikTok myself sometime, but it was like this guy who's pretending to talk to himself who's an alien. The alien's like, so wait, so you're telling me you do this um, and does it make you funnier? And he's like, oh no, it makes me kind of an idiot. And he's like, does it feel good? He's like, oh, a little bit, but then I puke my guts out and well, don't tell me you pay for this. He's like, oh, yeah, it's just, it's just. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Try to explain to someone who's not part of like the whole booze loving culture that we come from. Like, how could you even explain it to them? Yeah. It literally is, is it would be impossible to explain to somebody that was to ourselves. Be like, well, why the hell would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, everyone else does it. Like, that doesn't seem like a great reason though. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, this has just been awesome. And I understand that your love of, of um, alcohol-free beers has actually led to a bit of a online shop. You want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I guess that's where kind of that led to it. It was like when, when I got or when I was like, I'm not going to drink alcohol anymore. I started looking. I'm like, oh, I want to get some alcohol-free beers my dad actually used to he would drink alcohol free beers but like literally only options were like oduls and like moles i don't know so one other one that was like they were not very good i remember trying them like oh that's that's gross why would you drink that but i'm like ah maybe there's a better way and then like so i found all these other breweries that were doing these things and like there's like literally microbreweries that make alcohol free beer now so i'm like some of them actually you can't get in Canada. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make this store and then bring in, import these. And so I got my license and all that stuff for importing and did all these things that I didn't have time to do on a top of like, you know, being a father with kids in sports and running another business. And I started this, uh, this website called uh, afdrinks.ca. So uh, it's something that I kind of do on my spare time just because I love it. Like, I literally make it's probably cost me money actually to run it because I'm just not doing it out of for something to make money. It's literally just to help people and give people more of an option. There's like a lot of times where people are like, hey, shipping's too much, but I can kind of I can drive to where you are not too far away. And I'm like, oh, sure, I'll just drive over and meet you and, you know, deliver some. So I'll just like hand it off to them and that sort of thing. And it's fun. Sometimes I get to have conversations with people and you know, hear a bit of their story or sometimes it's just like, all right, here you go. See you later. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun and yeah, pretty interesting, uh, little adventure. There's actually since popped up a few more, which is great. Like it's, it's a market I like hope just becomes a juggernaut, but unfortunately I don't think that will happen, but, <laughs> um, yeah, by all means, it's, uh, it's very cool. That's awesome. That's so cool. Well, let me finish up with the question that I ask at the end of these, Steve, which is if you were going to go back in time and talk to yourself, who was kind of in the cycle that, you know, your dad had patterned out for you and tell yourself about what life is like now, what would you say? Yeah. So uh, I've like listened to every single one of the Naked Life stories. So I clearly knew this question was coming. So I wrote out exactly what I'd say to <laughs> young Stephen. So honestly, what I do is I'd sit him down for a heart to heart conversation. Cause I think that would work for me. I look him straight in the eye and say this, Steve, buddy, listen, everything you think, you know, about alcohol is an illusion. And everything you think is true about alcohol is a lie. 
whether it's that having fun with friends needs to be done with alcohol involved or that having a beer after work relaxes you um, or that alcohol will make you happier or feel better in some way. They're all lies. But here's the thing. Don't take my word for it. You've got to do your own research. You know how you wouldn't buy damn near anything without first researching and finding the best? Well, it's time to find your best. Make you a priority and read into that drug that you're consuming on a nightly basis at ever-increasing quantities. And yeah, newsflash, man. Alcohol is an addictive drug just like the others you'd never think of touching, like Coke, meth, or heroin. And while you do your research, make sure you keep a list of all the reasons you should drink uh, and then keep another list of all the reasons that may be better not to. But again, you cannot take my word for this. Hell, I know you're a stubborn guy and you're doubting what I'm saying to you right now, but I challenge you to prove me wrong. And finally, I love you, man. You're a good person, but you have the potential to be amazing if you aren't being dragged down by the anchor that is alcohol. Mm, so good. I yeah. Love that. Yeah, thanks so much for taking so much time and and putting time into like your story and thinking it all through. It's it's really it was really great. I really appreciated hearing it. It was just awesome. Oh, thanks for the opportunity. It's uh look forward to this moment since uh I finished reading this naked mind. I'm like, who is this amazing person, Annie Grace, that lives somewhere in the United States? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks, Annie. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're ready to see how This Naked Mind can help you on your personal health and wellness journey and want to learn more, go to thisnakedmindpodcast.com to learn what your next best step is. Again, that's thisnakedmindpodcast.com. We have all of our free resources, programs, social links, and more available for you there. Plus, if you have your own naked life story to share, you can submit it there as well. Until next week, stay curious.